Hello and welcome to another Architecture Podcast. I'm George Bradley, architect and director of London-based studio Bradley van der Straten. And every fortnight I talk to a different architect from around the world to discuss an inspiring house that they have designed. In this episode, I talk to Alexei Hautamaki, who together with his partner Mila have built a remote off-grid house for themselves on a private island in Finland's Archipelago National Park. The house comprises two separate long rectangular cabins containing living quarters, a workshop and a sauna. What is so beautiful about this home is how it nestles naturally into the landscape. If you've ever dreamed of escaping to a remote island to live the simple life, then this is the place you would want to be. We talk about how they found the island, what it was like designing and constructing in such a remote location, and what it feels like to live in a home that is completely self-sufficient and connected to nature. If you'd like to find out more about Project O, you can see images of the house on the episode page at anotherarchitecturepodcast.com. I hope you enjoy listening. Alexi, thank you very much for joining me today on the podcast. Thanks. I'm happy to be here. Um, so we're going to be talking about um, your Project O, and maybe you might want to correct me on pronunciation straight away. Am I pronouncing that correctly? It's Project O, which is this funny Swedish-Finnish letter with O with the dots. So it's O. So Project O, and is that? am I right in thinking that that is the name for two islands in in Finnish. No, it's actually one island. It means right. uh, it means an island actually in Swedish. So it's a, it's a one one letter word <laughs> for island. And um I mean maybe if we start the interview with um just a little bit of background because interestingly compared to quite a lot of the guests on the podcast you're not an architect in the traditional sense of no, the word. Um, yeah, I'm actually uh yeah, I'm 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 a I'm a spatial designer so I what I do for 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 work is I do like commercial interiors such as shops and bars and cafes and fair stands and anything that's kind of commercial uh, and has to do with with spatial design or even sometimes furniture design, but but mainly mainly shops and so on. And uh, and and I'm actually I'm a partner or founder in a company called Bond, and we do branding and and spatial design is part of our offering and the, and the main kind of focus is on branding and and graphic design and digital design and and, and so on so it's uh it's very quite versatile but but really nothing to do with architecture of course architects are, are involved in a lot of our projects but but we don't have any architects in the company for example and so designing a space to live in um like this project is it's clearly a very new venture, a very challenging venture, I imagine. Yeah, absolutely. Of course, it's in the projects we we how I tend to approach them is that I I, I try to think of the user always in in the cafes or restaurants or or shops, and in a way, it is also user centric design. It's just that the user this time is myself and not a not a consumer. Mm-hmm. And so with this project project uh um the location we're on the archipelago just off the uh, the coast of, of finland and the location is one of the key distinctive characteristics of this house um i'm just really curious and in, in this set of islands there's i've read somewhere that there's forty thousand islands approximately um all, all clustered together um what led you to to pick this island that i i'm guessing was uninhabited before you built this house on there what led you to that uh yeah I, I used to do a lot of or well, i still do but i i used to do a lot of boating uh around the archipelago i founded the whole archipelago when i was around 30 i i guess uh with my my dad's boat i started to do it <laughs> just go around on on summertime and spend my entire summer just going around the islands because it's it was i just found it something quite amazing and 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 not even all Finns know about it that much, and it's quite, quite a, quite an unknown archipelago actually worldwide. Mm. And it, there's no, not much traffic, and there's a lot of space, and you can always find a spot 
where you can't see any other people for for days and so on. So it is a unique uh, unique uh, area, and uh, <clears throat> and this is part of the national. This is the this is like a archipelago national park, which consists of these. Uh, I don't know, maybe ten thousand islands are within the national park area, and some of them are actually privately owned, even though it's a national national park. Uh, and so this is the area where I most enjoy being in uh, because of the nature. And uh, and year after year, I just ended up this in this same area, around the same area where the where the nature was kind of most most striking. And uh, and then after I don't know boating for five years or something like that, I thought it would be nice to have a base somewhere somewhere here. And uh, rather than you know sleeping in the boat and <laughs> and uh, not having anywhere to to take a sauna and so on, uh, so I just started to think maybe it's possible to buy one of these islands, and uh, and I ended up looking for. Of course, there are some on sale all the time, uh, not many, but there are there is always some some sort of market for it. Uh, this specific area had maybe a couple of islands on sale within those few years I was looking, but nothing really uh, striking too small or too large or or something. And then I didn't really find anything on the market. So I started to look for, just look for empty islands on basically on Google Maps uh, where, where there's no buildings. And uh, and then I looked through the, this, uh, this, I don't know how it's called in English, but this, this this property map for, that the government uh, keeps, where you have the property numbers and so on, mm-hmm. where, where you can find the owners of of these properties. Mm-hmm. And I started to call them up, like, oh, "You have this empty island. Do you have any plans for it?" And of course, most of them were thought I was crazy. And why? Where did you get my number? And why are you calling me? <laughs> and uh, <laughs> but but yeah, I, fortunately, then after trying maybe ten or twenty times, uh, this one one couple was was interested in in perhaps selling it and in the end we 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 got into a into a, in, into a, some sort of agreement and and they actually have an island quite close by and and uh yeah became friends as well and, and so it's it, it was kind of a lucky accident in the end mm. of course it required a lot of research and study and work but but yeah also luck and what was it about this one then that kind of struck a chord that, that seemed like the right island to build a house on? Uh, well, first of all, this area is some somewhere between, uh, so it's not too far out because the, the archipelago stretches so far that it, it can be then quite difficult to reach by boat. You know, first with a car from Helsinki takes like uh, two, three hours. And then if, if, if the boat journey would be more than, uh, you know, an hour, then it gets a bit difficult already. It's, you know, it's just practical, pra- not practical anymore. So, uh, so this was, uh, close enough. So it's only half an hour from the shore and a couple of hours by car. So that was the first kind of, uh, reason for, for this location and this island. Uh, the other was the size of the actual island. It's, it's about two hectares, which means it's about 200 by 100 meters so it's quite a nice size for you know you can walk around it easily in 15 minutes and and uh and we don't get any like there's no like extra because i just don't want to i i don't want to be a landowner who just like owns a lot of land which is unused so this was quite a nice nice size and and even though it's small it 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 has a lot of different elements. It has like a proper forest on one end and then really rocky cliffs on the other. And, uh, and one of the main reasons was that there was a really nice place for a, for a pier and a, and a dock where, where I could, uh, you know, have, have the boats quite, quite safely parked. And so did you identify that when you knew that it was potentially available, did you just sort of set out on the boat and start scouting the island and circling around it to check it out? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. We did that with with a lot of islands. We were going around, uh, you know, every time there was a new uh, new island on on the market, we went to see it with the boats. And then uh, then when I was looking at 
you know, from the Google map looking at these islands, I, I we all also went around and, you know, walked in them and, uh, and, and I kind of looked, looked out which, which were the most interesting ones. And, uh, yeah, so this was, uh, yeah, we, I think we went a couple of times before, even before making, making the purchase. And this was together with your partner, Mila, is that correct? Yes. Um, Mila and, uh, yeah. Yeah. And the project that you were kind of working on together is, was, was it a kind of long-term dream as well to have? Yeah, something like absolutely. Yeah. She's also has, uh, before, before we were together, she was working on one of these smaller cruise boats that go around the archipelago. So she was working on one of those for a few, uh, a few summers when she was younger. So, so this was something that she was very familiar with as well. And, uh, and really loved and, and had a, relationship with the archipelago too and and so it was a common dream from uh from the beginning when we started to started to go out mm-hmm. so once you've got the ownership of this island we've effectively got an empty island there's nothing on on this island right totally uninhabited yeah yeah it was uh yeah i think it's what 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 happens with what had happened with a lot of these islands that the islanders uh had kept their cattle there for the summer or something that was may, maybe the only thing that had ever been there really mm-hmm. uh, but no buildings no no nothing no structures of any kind so it was completely um, intact so what what happened next where did you start because you mentioned about you know there being a logical place to have a jetty or a, a pontoon for for boat to land can you maybe talk through like the process of where you then start with this kind of blank canvas and how you then got to the design that you've that you then eventually built yeah uh, yeah, I think the main, cause we, we rented an island before for a couple of summers around that area just to get a feel of, you know, if, if this is really the, the, the right, you know, the right thing for us. Cause it's, it is a quite a, quite a different way of, uh, you know, spending your summers in the isolation in a way. So, uh, so we, we kind of, from that experience, we knew that you have to take into account certain things like, uh, like the, you know, uh, the, the direction of the sun and the direction of the winds and so on. Uh, and, uh, and, and the dock or the, you know, the piers and everything they have, to, it has to be on a, in a place where it's a bit secluded from the winds. Cause otherwise it's just, uh, the, the weather can go a bit too crazy. Uh, so, so, uh, we were, I was, you know, even when buying the island, I was, I was looking at islands where there is a deep, uh, place for the pier and also that it's not directly to the south, which is the, which is the constant wind direction on summertime in Finland. Mm-hmm. So it had to be somewhere, some other direction. And this was, uh, the dock was facing north, which was, uh, kind of perfect and it was really deep. So that was the logical place for the, for the first houses and, the structures we we wanted to wanted to make and then it's just basically trying to figure out the exact spots of of the houses and of course there are quite strict regulations uh on what sort of houses what sizes and how long away from the shore they can be which is which is good of course because otherwise you know you could you could really ruin the landscape if you have something too big too close to the water uh so that those things already determined quite a lot what we what we could do uh and then we decided to that we want uh, a small house not not to be kind of small as small as possible because uh, you know the idea is to be outside and part of the nature and not have mm-hmm. a luxurious uh interior you know space and and so on and also i wanted a, a really good workshop where we could have all the all the tools and all the necessary stuff and also storage for for materials and and so on because it, it this sort of project requires a lot of uh you know just, just constant constantly so we're constantly doing something there so it's we need proper tools and so on so and also the technical technical aspect of having you know these water purifying systems and and batteries and and all of that needed needed space so so we thought of having like a proper workshop building so then we ended up with 
two buildings, one forty-five square meter house with a you know living space and so on and, and toilet and all that, and then this twenty-five square meter workshop with uh, with the technical stuff and the, and the tools and and materials and so on. And they both sit as these two very long narrow cabins that they kind of seem to very much naturally come out of the landscape it's I, I don't know what maybe the rock formation was like before you started but did that kind of lend itself to to how they're orientated because they're like these two long fingers but they're not parallel are they they point outwards towards the yeah. sea into the jetty um you mentioned about sort of regulations about the look of buildings but is this also a response to the topography as well did that in some respects force your hand yeah yeah absolutely it was a uh... It just happened to be that there were uh, it because if if you start building directly on the rock, the the buildings are bound to become quite high because the, the foundations need to be there and 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 then they would stick out from from the rock quite a lot. So so we needed to find like these really like uh, yeah these uh, these holes almost uh, uh, like the you know the rock where the rock would go yeah. down a bit so that you can put the foundations uh and luckily there were th- th- two of these places and that's kind of that determined the the angle of the buildings really yeah of course it's nice now now looking at it and uh thinking about it and we all, always wanted to have some sort of a natural yard between the houses where it's where it's all a bit more secluded uh but yeah this was a kind of a lucky again like a lucky lucky that it it, it did happen like that I, th- I just think that's so interesting though of how you get like projects like this where you have to respond to certain things because mm. because of the natural context but it actually leads to a really beautiful composition that probably couldn't have been done better if it was a blank canvas and you had to think of the perfect um, yeah. conversation it just it looks right it looks how it kind of should be and there's probably a lot of things at play maybe nature was kind of already designing it thousands of years ago before you yeah. came and started the house yeah because it's all about all about the ice receding ten thousand years ago and and making these formations mm. while while going away and uh, so that's why they are in you know in in that sort of angle and they are always you know more or less south to north uh these 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 shapes uh but yeah i i I thought that was maybe the most luckiest thing that we had that that, that the landscape was as as it was Mm. and how do these cabins then sit what what are the foundations into the ground uh it's it's concrete uh pillars uh set well in i don't know the technical terms but with with these metal rods drilled into Mm. the stone and then then concrete pillars uh uh and uh yeah and then uh then there is uh like a you know empty space underneath the houses and, and on one of them they're quite it's quite deep actually you can walk there with uh, you know it's like a yeah two meter height height underneath so it's it is it is very well ventilated as well so it's they're they're basically up on stilts on concrete stilts yeah, and then yeah, on exactly top. And the top is a, con- um, a timber-framed cabin. Yeah, then log log frames are uh, built on top of the foundations. Uh, yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. And um, is there any reference to what? What were the regulations from the kind of um, the form and shape? Do these? What was the reason for them being this kind of pitched roof and very narrow plan? Is there any kind of traditional reference there as well in terms of local architecture? Yeah, no, like, yeah, no regulations in terms of uh, uh, the roof, for example. But I, I was just, uh, I always wanted, I always thought that the gabled roof uh, buildings are, are, I don't know, it, it like it's, it is the stereotype of a of a building. So I always like them in, you know, as as just as as objects. So uh, that just felt natural, and and also the 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 archipelago architecture really only has that sort of shape and uh and and the gable proof angle even came from a you know from a lot of references i was i was looking looking at around the area so that is that that is really quite basic and and the overhang of the roof even is uh is quite 
quite typical and I really wanted to go for like a proper overhang because because the weather conditions are what they are you know when it rains it really rains and it's 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 good to have some protection from from all that so so we wanted to go for longer longer eaves and uh, and also like uh, also the the gutters that that are kind of nice well that kind of like a very personal detail of of the house ex- these extending gutters on the on the roof uh are something that i've seen in 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 some parts of the archipelago i love those gutters they're kind of so the, at each end of the of the cabins they're kind of projecting out probably about a meter a meter and a half yeah um, but they add a real kind of element of finesse to basically a very traditional build form but almost yeah. like sculptural having those sticking out is there a practical aspect to those as well yeah of course because it's well yeah you want to lead the water as far from the frame as possible even when it's windy and rain so that it doesn't splash the, all the water from gutters to the to the walls and i didn't really like i, I, I don't know all this this gutter like off the shelf gutter models are always a bit nasty mm-hmm. looking and if if you try to make them part of the architecture somehow it's always trying to faking fake it a bit and cover it somehow and i just thought why not make it part of the architecture and and custom make them for the for this sort of roof and the, and the, exactly the depth or the the thickness of the roof so so that it, it it then becomes really part of the building and and you wouldn't think of it as something something extra that's that's then mm. stick on to the building later on and how much of this were you making yourself then if you had the workshop there on the island uh well most of the 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 the, the fixed kind of uh, architectural things uh, like the gutters, I drew up uh, and and kind of may maybe made prototypes of of mm-hmm. little of miniature models of them, but of course that was then made somewhere and and transported to the island and 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 then f- fixed onto the building and. Uh, but yeah, then of course, yeah, smaller things like uh, you know all the all the all the staircases and uh, these pathways and and the small details we did on the island. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the pathways are great. They're another really nice feature, I think, of the project. Of they seem to crisscross quite a lot of the island, so they give you kind of access. But they're also quite light touch. Again, they're responding. You're not carving into the stone anywhere. You're not kind of aggressively attacking this island they kind of just follow the contours and step up and over things where they need to yeah um, what's the idea with them i mean other than obviously there's the logical you need access to certain points um what are they giving access to well first of all it's it's yeah of, of course you need access from the boat to the to the house or to the houses and that's the main kind of walkway that had to be designed uh and and made but yeah, everything like you said, everything is floating on on the rock, and it's kind of all airy. But again, I, I, it was it was quite delicate to find places where you could do this. Again, you know, following the formations of the landscape rather than just sticking staircases where they would, you know, logically co- go. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, like, I don't know. I think it took some time, like, just to walk around and think about it. Maybe making some light prototypes with just with planks and and trying to see what fits where and how would how would things go and uh and of course yeah then it's good to have something level because <laughs> everything is rocky and and you can twist your ankle quite easily so having having something that's level you can do stuff on is 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 useful and uh but i think the original idea we had was that let's try and make you know, minimal impact on the on the rocks because it's they are nice and we don't want to disturb the nature. Uh, so let's not do almost any terraces and try to, you know, survive with with minimal staircases and so on. But then with with you know understanding the practicalities there, you know, we ended up with with quite a lot of terraces all over the place and and walkways and so on. But I, I mean, it's it's kind of nice then now to have it and and when it's all 
thought through and and you know made according to the landscape and trying to follow the formations it's it's it it doesn't really bother me that it's it's not you know it's not too too much on in in the view or anything mm-hmm. and what kind of materials are you using here imagine for, for the external materials like the timber that you're using on the cladding and on the walkways imagine it has to be extremely resilient because of the changing weather that you'll be getting on the island what timber yeah. do you use there yeah I, I thought about it a lot uh i think most of the time it's they use siberian large is it large mm-hmm. uh on on these on these exterior materials uh but i i went for this uh this thermal wood which is like a cooked wood really it's like mm-hmm. a, it's pine which is cooked in a high temperature so so to get rid of all the moisture and all the all the you know living things in them so it's basically it should be you know dead so nothing will happen to it mm-hmm. uh and it's also quite nice and lightweight to 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 work with and it's very even all the planks are very like a uh, standard stand, you know it doesn't doesn't leave anymore so it's all or very very like a uh, standard sizes and and, mm-hmm. and and also it gets gray really nicely uh so for the for the exterior cladding on top of the of course there's a log frame which is this horizontal you know like log houses are mm-hmm. uh but we wanted something a bit more more modern which we thought vertical cladding would would present and uh so this is uh this vertical cladding is is on top of the log and that's this thermal wood uh and then of course uh of course the terraces and basically most of the wood outside is is this thermal thing and uh yeah and and decking for example needs to be quite thick because normally you would do in a in a like normal terrace somewhere in the in a in an urban environment you would have something like 25 30 millimeter thick this mm-hmm. is uh more like 45 so it is mm-hmm. quite thick plank so so it doesn't start to twist or anything mm-hmm. with the, with the weather And then it's quite a simple palette. I mean, externally as well as internally, it's that the pine is then compared with the with black for for most of the other features. And but including mm. the the pitched roof, what's that made out of? Uh, that's this uh, this I don't know the word again, but it's it's in Finnish it's called felt. It's okay. This, uh, yeah. And and it's they use like we used heat or like this heat to get it stick heat and nails mm-hmm. to get get it stick on the on the roof and i chose that because of the look looks mainly because it's it's very nice this black matte material mm-hmm. that that feels like it it's not making any uh you know any sort of a statement on its own uh of course metal like corrugated metal or something like that would be maybe a bit more uh more weather resistant and mm-hmm. maybe would live a bit longer but i think these felt roofs that i've seen there are have been have been in place for 30 40 years and they're still okay whereas mm-hmm. metal roofs could live i don't know maybe 50 years of course mm-hmm. copper would be one option but then then again that's another kind of sort of look uh of course more expensive Did you have that a lot then with the design of of these cabins of kind of thinking about alternatives like are there are there any kind of hidden designs somewhere in the archives of a totally different design for this island that that you kind of moved on from Uh yeah I think with with everything really regarding the regarding the shape regarding the proportions regarding the roof pitch all of these things we did or oh, I I did spend a lot of time in thinking about it and making making like 3D models of them and trying to imagine uh that that on the on the actual setting photoshopping you know different shapes mm-hmm. on the on the photographs uh yeah i bought a drone like that was the first thing i bought when i when i bought the island to get proper photos from from distance and from above mm-hmm. and so on and and then we i used those photos to to imagine how how the different shapes and uh 
different proportions would would suit the landscape so, so that, that yeah. was important to you then was it how the how the building would look viewed from a distance yeah Aesthetic. absolutely i think that was one of the main main things because it's it is such a unique landscape and and i've seen so many bad examples <laughs> there even though the architecture in the archipelago is mainly really nice but uh but yeah it's it's i think it's a very delicate thing to to get it right mm. in terms of the in terms of the looks and everything and and it's it's oh, and it's getting because nowadays people used to, to build the cabins on secluded like uh you know in the kind of inside the islands in the forest so that they would be safe from the winds and so on but of mm. course nowadays everybody wants to build as close to the water as possible and maybe up on a cliff uh to to have the views and everything mm-hmm. uh, so it's it's even more important to think about the the looks from you know from a distance and how that will affect how the buildings will affect the you know the mm. the landscape it's interesting that that's how it started for you in buying the drone because then at the other end of the project when it's been complete I think from in terms of like the international press that it's received it's mm. definitely it's a drone shot it's there's an aerial view and it's a very romantic view of you can imagine this incredible landscape and you can see the islands some other islands in the distance but it's a sculptural view from the air of the project that seems to have drawn a lot of attention um, yeah. so it's interesting that in terms of that's come full circle that the way you approached it is also the result yeah it was actually yeah it was kind of a side product then to to to, <laughs> to have this yeah to to be able to make these nice nice shots and and of course yeah that it is an ideal location to take aerial shots and and uh you know because there is so so much interesting to to see on the mm. on the photos because it's the yeah the surroundings are really nice and of course you can see the shape of the island and how everything sits there it's it is very useful useful for you know for the for the you know all the all the publicity and everything and so in terms of the sort of privacy aspect if historically people would build buildings on these islands but kind of hide them um mm. and this one is the opposite of that what is the what's the kind of been the general reaction of other people that are in the area if there's many people in the area <laughs> yeah well there are few neighbors within uh yeah within maybe couple kilometers uh but it's, so it's not, still... not neighbors by the traditional sense then <laughs> yeah so in a way it's not really an issue because you know no one will be able to see anything that happens inside or you know it doesn't really disturb anyone's view of 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 the you know the landscape or anything uh and like i said that that is kind of the the way the buildings are nowadays built there everybody wants to be in a in a nice high spot to to be able to have the views from inside uh but yeah i think it's uh it's very well perceived and people like it and i think people around there respect that it it is based on uh the the local style of architecture and building design that's been there for a long time go inside the house now i'm really curious as to and we can talk about the materials and the and the layout but i'm really interested in for you and for mila what what your ambitions were what you would really wanted to create in terms of a home or in terms of living spaces well uh, yeah we wanted something that's uh like i said earlier that we don't want anything uh too big because it's not meant for for that sort of thing it this is a this is a summer cabin and it's in the middle of the nature so we don't we don't want a massive palace there uh so we wanted everything to be very compact and and to be able to have that and still have all the functions that we need of course the interior in the we had to put a lot of effort in in thinking about what goes where and how is you know how is how are things positioned so that so that they are practical to use uh and and we we did again for that we did like a we were taping the the floor in the flat here and and thinking about okay if this is the kitchen and this is the cabinet and this opens mm-hmm. here how does everything work and and it was all about like this 
kind of miniature spatial design where it's like almost I was looking at you know Japanese architecture where where they're trying to fit you know a lot of stuff in 20 square meters and 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 following those sort of principles and you know where are the switches and where are the sockets for electricity and and of course then the you know what views are where and where is a solid wall and what happens there and and uh, you know light lighting of course very important like what sort of options for for different sorts of light and and uh, you know placing the fireplace and and uh, and yeah all the way to the to the loose furniture like what sort of what sort of armchairs and sofas and chairs we would we would want but yeah a lot of i think a lot of a uh, lot of uh, effort went went into designing the the very details of of all these furniture Mm. I mean, well, you can see, I mean, even like the, the dining chairs are the combination of the black padded cushion and the timber of the, the seat, just like the building. And then even in the kitchen, I've, I've, I can notice there's little details of even the cutlery has got black handles and yeah. there's this sort of black metal and timber. Um, but it all contributes to a very, actually a very neutral look that is celebrating the view and the, the location, which is clearly important here. Yeah. How did yeah. that impact... Um, you know, you've got a long, it's a, a classic kind of modern cabin layout in terms of the long, narrow. There's mm. a kitchen at one end. You've got this external courtyard. Maybe we'll come to that later in the, in the middle. Um, mm. But how did location and view affect where you decided to put these, put rooms and where you decided to put window openings? Uh, well, yeah, of course. First of all, the long and narrow shape came from uh, just, I don't know, as, as a, as a, you know, proportions of the building, I just thought that it somehow fits. Uh, also, that's something I saw in the archipelago, old buildings in that shape. And, and of course, with, with that sort of shape, you get a lot of wall space. So, you know, you can have, you can kind of maximize the views to different directions, have huge windows on, on all these sides. Uh, and also, as it's quite small, only 45 square meters, uh, it's uh with that shape you can we could it was possible to make uh the different functions like uh like i don't know sleeping and and for example sauna quite far from each other so when someone's you know having a night out or you know having drinks on the looking at the sunset and some kids are already asleep then you, you can still have that privacy and not to worry about others being disturbed uh so I think those those were the were the reasons uh, for the for the shape, and also that to maximize this uh, these interior spaces, this three and a half meter uh, frame kind of allowed to do, you know, it's 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 wide enough for for making a living room, it's wide enough for for making a kitchen, and it's wide enough for for a bedroom and also sauna and bathroom. So it, we felt that that was a kind of like the ideal ideal size for mm. you know having all the functions working. And then you've got some of the spaces. There's a nice kind of mix of some of the principal spaces. They open up to the ceiling, and we get a big triangular roof space. And then others, like the kitchen, the roof is quite flat and low, kind of lines up with the window openings. And they are they bedroom. Oh, bed platforms are they up up in? Yeah, there is a those? platform on top of uh, on top of uh, kitchen the kitchen area, uh, you know, big enough or high enough so that it's not it's not too claustrophobic to to be there, and also uh, these these windows on the ceiling on on the on the sleeping area there, uh, so that it it is quite nice and light actually, even though it's a it's a tiny space in a way. Mm-hmm. And you mentioned earlier about the lighting as well being very important to you. Um, I mean, I imagine it just gets incredible, amazing natural light. But in terms of the artificial lighting, there must be periods of the year where it gets quite dark quite early here. I'm, I'm yeah. imagining so. Um, but how did you how did you go about designing that? Because there's there's some very well designed artificial lighting on the outside as well as on the inside. But almost if it, so it almost looks as if it's been designed again. If you viewed it from a distance, it would also look pretty mm. amazing. Yeah, yeah, ex- especially for the exterior lights, mm. uh, which we just finished uh, not not long ago, a few months ago. 
the idea was that of course you want to have the the part pathway lighting just functional so that so that you can we can go swim in the sea you know when it's dark because it gets dark quite early this time of the year or even even a bit earlier uh so all that was kind of functional uh also having something in the pier and you know an underwater light when you go into the black water it doesn't feel feel that crazy uh but then these spotlights i kind of uh thought that that why not trying to imitate the sunset where it where it comes on summertime when 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 the when the light when it's it's basically light all day around uh but sunset is kind of from the north uh so we tried to imitate that feeling with uh, with with placing the spotlights so that so that they are facing south so not from south so it's it it is you know just a detail but it's kind of like when they're all directed to the same you know same direction then it it has that this nice nice feeling that it almost feels like you know where is that that light coming from because it's all mm. consistent uh but then yeah inside a lot of indirect lights where were possible uh and uh leds and of course everywhere and and then just like few selected spots for for like these uh pendants and and more de- decorational mm. lights but very incognito i think they don't dominate the space as as you do see with quite a lot of houses sometimes yeah we didn't want something that's you know a fixture that would take the attention too much just mm. leave the spaces as empty as possible and i really like how with the layout you've then carved out this external space right in the middle of the main the main block where you, you can sit and I imagine in the evening or can use as a dining table so that means in terms of the plan some of the rooms you go outside to go back inside again so again a very kind of natural outdoor living yeah yeah you kind of have to go out a lot <laughs> yeah there's a there's no yeah you have to move in and out all the time and and having that that kind of covered space in between is a is nice because then that has a kitchen already with with you know all the all the stuff for barbecue and 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 everything so it it kind of has a it 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 is a another kitchen so depending on the weather you know it's nice on a nice weather it's always nice to to cook outside so it, as as the building is is quite small the interior space is quite small it's it's good to have uh been being able to use use the out, outdoor area as well and uh, and that go, actually goes to a lot of these seating areas there are probably five different seating areas outside around the plot because uh, depending on the wind it's always a, you know a bit too windy somewhere or the sun's too harsh on on some side so so it it, it is nice to have these options and mm-hmm. and we just keep on adding these groups here and there to, for, for convenience it's interesting that actually the, the design is it's in some respects is similar to another house that I've talked about on the podcast where it's, but in a totally different climate. So it's in Mexico, extremely yeah. hot. Um, but it's uh, also a bungalow with living spaces at either end and then an open courtyard um, in between. It's actually mm-hmm. quite interesting to sort of think there's a similar approach here, but in com- two completely different contexts. Yeah. Like an opposite, opposite reason <laughs> yeah. for it. I mean, the yeah. other one's a lot braver cause it's got a big circular opening in the courtyard, which, you you surely don't want here with probably the amount of rain you get um yeah. are you ever here then when it's because you mentioned it's a summer house but there must be times when you're using this place and it's freezing yeah yeah absolutely of, of course we've only had it for three years or mm-hmm. something now but this year has been super lucky for us because as soon as the covid broke up we've we've been able to we basically moved there for for five months uh, so we saw everything from you know beginning of March, which was already or uh, was still quite wintry. There was still snow and everything, mm-hmm. uh, and then all the way to the autumn. So we saw kind of everything, and and of course it's not. Yeah, we're trying to. Even I think next year we will spend months there. So it's not just for the weekends. We 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 try mm-hmm. to be there quite a lot, and 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 so this year maybe six months altogether, and. 
and uh, hopefully in the future also, you know, quite a few months. And we have to touch on the fact actually that it's this is totally off grid um, as a property. You're not connected to any utilities. Mm. Um, could you maybe talk through that just a little bit and how that works on an island? Yeah, that that was kind of challenging because you don't have any drinking water, of course. Uh, most people around around there who who have cabins have made these uh, these these wells, uh, like drilled well to the rock. Uh, mm. You drill down like two hundred meters, and and you start to get some drinking water, which is usually a bit salty still. So you need another purifier to for, mm. for to be able to drink that. Uh, so I went for this uh, this osmosis filtering system, which which actually makes the seawater drinking water, which is great. Uh, so through this system, it makes like fifty liters an hour uh, of this stuff. Uh, so that was kind of the water sorted. Then the electricity. Uh, we have panels, like six, maybe three hundred watt panels uh, connected to huge batteries like eight of these huge batteries mm -hmm. which then serve as a like a uh like a storage for for the for the energy so and we have normal electricity system like three or two two thirty volt system mm -hmm. and a, and a generator of course for backup when it's when it's super dark like like this time of the year you have to charge the batteries with, with when there's no sun but uh, yeah, everything works, and we have like all, all the modern, uh, you know, fridges and 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 even air conditioning and so on, and it it's all enough enough for for that sort of thing, and uh, and then heating, there are different sorts of heating systems. One is working with with this uh, with well, basically diesel, which we use. Uh, not that often, because of course it's uh, consumes diesel. Although it's uh, quite modern and, and uh, doesn't doesn't require that much, uh, but the but the yeah, but the maybe a bit the clever system is this sauna stove because we heat the sauna basically every day. That's part of the routine in yep. in the island. Uh, so that there is this uh, this tank. Uh, that's connected to the to the stove where where the water is heated, heat the heat from the stove heats the water of the tank and then that's circulated uh, onto the floor. So there's a floor heating and then also that same water heats the 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 drinking water. So it's all kind of done with uh, as a byproduct from uh, from the heating the sauna. So the sauna is an integral part of the. The actual yeah, operating of the house. Yeah. So I can yeah. imagine you, there's a nice, um, just being there, there's a natural routine that you have to have for survival um, that defines a lot of your day in terms of getting the fire going and, and whatnot. Yeah, that's something that's kind of, yeah, it's because you kind of have to do it. Of course, you can skip one day, but then the water gets quite cold already to mm. wash the dishes. And so, so you feel like there may be another, you know, then we need to have a sauna today. And, and it's, it's, it is. It is somehow, of course, you know, we are Finns and we are part, we are used to the, going to the sauna quite a lot anyway. But yeah, it's it's really it's really integral part of the the experience being there mm -hmm. to to eat up the the sauna and and, and all that. Uh, and I remember reading one of your posts. Uh, I think it must have been on Instagram. There, there was some you were getting some sand delivered to to create um, a sandy beach in in one of the coves. Um, but there was a mention from somebody or whether it's from you of how long would that sand survive? And you, you needed to wait one season to find out either it was going to go within a few months or it would be there for years. Um, <laughs> what happened? Have you still got sand? Yeah, luckily, yeah, it stayed. Uh, yeah, I was looking, actually looking at the, at the sandy, there are some natural sandy beaches around the area, not many, but like two or three. And they all seem to be on the northern end of these islands so this northern end i thought should be suitable for for it because the the ice kind of doesn't drag it with with it uh when going away and uh, and the winds are not not you know mixing it too much so yeah luckily we we managed to managed to it, it's still there uh yeah and i was uh 
it was quite simple actually this i was i was ordering something else some building material and just uh, thought why not try this <laughs> this this sand as well and it wasn't even expensive like six maybe 600 euros to get the you know some some sand there and and then we have a private beach so it was a <laughs> it was a good deal with us and so i mean we talked a lot about this being you mentioned about it being a weekend home but then also summer home and probably now spending more and more time there mm-hmm. um but i always think these kind of projects are quite interesting as in they in one sense you can be freed up in terms of how you design it and it's not normal there's it's there's a lot of differences it's unique you're outside a lot you've got to run mm-hmm. your own heating and things but i'm interested in because you live in helsinki you live in an apartment in helsinki from doing this project um, have you kind of learned things about everyday life that actually you've learned from doing such a unique house that you'd want to bring into city life? Like what lessons can be learned from having done a project like this? Yeah, that's an interesting uh, question. And I think I've been thinking about that quite a lot. And and for example, as we speak now, we are, we are moving from a bigger house. We have like 140 square meter here in 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 the center of Helsinki, which just after being in on the island in those small spaces, feels that is it's too much. We don't need all this. It's just like mm. extra cleaning, and we don't, you know, we don't. There's just like a, you know too many rooms, and you start to you know collect stuff that you don't need, and and uh, so we're moving to a much smaller flat now, uh, and I think that's partly because of this experience in in living in smaller space and and getting uh, getting along with uh, you know with a lot less stuff mm. so at least at least that and uh yeah well i miss being outside uh a lot you know you know in the when, when in the city because of course you can walk around and you know go and have coffee here or, or whatever but it you always have to make an effort to to go out and there needs to be almost there needs to be a reason for that mm. whereas on the island it's it's automatic you just you are just outside all the time and uh well that's maybe a bit more difficult to achieve here but but yeah that's something that would be nice to have but more part of you know our lives here as well mm. it's like that kind of holiday feeling isn't it with where you've if you've been somewhere where then your day is defined by the practical things getting up making food getting the heating and whatever it might be i yeah. think for me they're always like the times of the, when i'm happiest and uh, it, yeah. I, I always think it's interesting how can you bring that in more to everyday life at home um yeah. the, the necessity is is the is a key element i suppose with this project isn't it yeah exactly and yeah it's it is it is amazing how, how and also maybe i mean things like having the fire every day uh mm you know, putting up the fire and it just becomes a routine and it's, it feels so natural. And, and now not being able to do it here because we don't have a fireplace or a fire heated sauna. Uh, it just feels that something's missing. And, and that's one of the reasons, uh, this new little flat will have a fireplace that, you know, there's something, you know, I can do, I can do, I can make that a routine also here at home. Mm-hmm. It's funny how we, yeah, with home design, we've kind of developed so far that we've made so many things comfortable, but actually sometimes the things that make us happy are the things that are a bit harder. Yeah, <laughs> less, that, less that, convenient. Is, that is, yeah, exactly. And there's so much technology and everything now starting to be, you know, integrated into the architecture in, in interiors that it's, it's, I, I almost feel that it's going too far mm. that, you know, with this, with the automated uh, things that you kind of, start missing the whole thing of having control to you know what sort of you know control of things to do and how how to how to you know how to make somehow make the the environment cozy for yourself and having a bit of effort to do it Mm. rather than everything being automated and just uh sitting on a sofa yes um, well, Lexi, I'm going to, I'm going to now go to those, those questions that I ask, um, all my guests. Um, mm-hmm. and maybe the first one kind of relates maybe to what we've, we've just been chatting about, but what's the one thing that really annoys you in your home? Yeah. I mean, it's, I think I could safely say that it is, it is the extra space, which is filled with this chunk that, you know, 
from from years and years and you have all the cabin cabinets are full of uh, stuff you don't use so it's it's just uh <laughs> just too much uh too much space uh mm-hmm. that's not efficiently used i think that's that's something that one at least one of the big things things that annoy me <laughs> at the mm-hmm. moment and if you could um describe one home that you've visited that's really inspired you and, and tell me why uh it's actually not a home it's a it's a it's com- something completely different it's a it's this uh it's a jewish museum in in berlin which of course it's a very famous piece of architecture by Liebskin. and uh well it was uh, i think it's just just because it's so unconventional as a space you get so many weird feelings when walking around and mm-hmm. uh you know facing this or be, you know turning around the corner and there's something so unexpected that you could uh you would you would never imagine and and i think that's something that uh as a building just made a big impression to me that's you know a building can do this mm-hmm. and um, i mean some, some resonances with your project are very sculptural project in an urban context but it's a form a very clear form that's that sits in the landscape yeah well yeah absolutely it's uh well i'm a, I'm a very big fan of uh minimalism in architecture so mm-hmm. yeah of course that, that that strikes as well but yeah maybe some similarities but <laughs> i wouldn't go too far um i, I remember visit, i visited that building twice as a student we did student trips but the first time was after it had just been completed and we we'd got a tour, but they hadn't occupied the building yet, so it was just this empty shell. Oh. Um, and I thought it was more interesting then than it was once they filled it with all the exhibitions and and things. Yeah, that they I put can in imagine um, from from an ar- architectural point of view. Um, okay, if we could go then to if you could choose any designer to design you a new home, who would you choose? Uh, I was thinking about this from the point of view of. Uh, you know, of of seeing something completely new uh, and and unexpected, a bit like the Liebskin Museum, mm-hmm. and uh, and it's it's a it's I ended up choosing a friend of mine who's a, who's quite well known uh, uh, illustrator or uh, or animator mm-hmm. and director who makes this. Uh, cartoon like uh, illustrations uh very minimal and colorful and and uh and I thought he would he would make a you know probably be able to make something that's that would be very unique if if given free hands uh to a, to a, like a yeah in, if if he would design a, an entire building or or an interior that would mm-hmm. be something that would, would be very interesting to see yes and uh and I, and so so you know like looking at it from a point of view of like a bit like us not being architects uh is is something that people have found interesting and i think it's also very inspiring has has been very inspiring for myself to to be able to 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 design a house uh but yeah at at least i have some you know spatial design experience and and even i work with with forms and materials and and lighting and all all that sort of stuff all the time but 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 getting someone who has even less idea of you know the architectural uh kind of principles and mm-hmm. and ideals would be would be interesting well um you've done an amazing job with the projects i think it's an incredible an incredible house um and uh, it's been yeah thank you so much for taking the time to to talk talk through it with me yeah thank you so much thanks for your kind words on the on the house and it was a great chatting to you thank you for listening to this episode if you'd like to find out more about Project O, then please visit the website at anotherarchitecturepodcast.com, where you'll find links to their work and other related articles. 
and try out the podcast Instagram to see work of all my guests and to get sneak previews of upcoming guests. If you enjoyed the episode, then please give me a review on iTunes or on whatever platform that you're listening on, as it's a great way to help other people find the podcast. I look forward to you joining me for the next episode, and thank you again for listening.